my faith has found a resting place. And, and as we're singing that chorus, I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and he died for me. You know, it should be enough. What he did, it was a once and for all thing, and that's fantastic. But in my mind, I kept hearing my mom's voice. It was like, because I said so. Because I said so. Um, but, but there's truth to that as well, right? That's all we need. And maybe that, that ties into this morning's message about, you know, sometimes the lies we believe, the things we hear. Um, and so as I get this to warm up here, we're going to... I want to start with just a message. So in light of the current health issues, um, you know, I'm going to shorten this message a little bit, maybe not enough, but uh, so that we can have some, you know, have the time to listen to Sherry talk about what's going on with the world of the coronavirus and, and what we need to do as a church and kind of give you a chance to answer questions. So, um, but during this period of crisis, we must continue to honor God's commandment as a church. And there are certain things that, that we are called to do and even if for some reason we end up not gathering like this on a Sunday morning we are no less responsible for talking to God and giving to God and helping others and love others right it's not a it's not a vacation all right think of it as now you're having to work from home that's what 1300 people in my office building are going to have to do this week is work from home they're still responsible to get that job done they're just not going to do it there what's unfortunate is I was considered what what was the terminology a um an essential employee. Interesting, I was not essential when there was a time for the Chiefs prayer right outside my window, but <laughs> I'm essential now. But I, it's okay because I tell you what, it's going to be the cleanest place in the city because they're, they're sanitizing that whole thing top to bottom this weekend. But um, again, we are still called to honor God's commandments as church and as individuals, and we must be mindful of our spiritual needs. Because it's not just about God told us to. We need regular Bible study. We need prayer. We need to worship. And we need fellowship with other Christians. And it may look a little different for a period. It may not. We may be, we may be just fine. But don't forget those things that are truly important. And so for those who are listening to this message online, you know, monitor the b3rd.org website and the Twitter post for updates if we do something a little differently. Like I said, Sherry and I have committed that if we have a service, I will be here. If we decide to do something a little different, or if we decide that if there's three people, I'll be here. And we may have to stream it live online for everybody else for their health and safety. We'll do that. We're committed to that. Church will continue. Okay, Golden Beach Community Church will continue to operate in some way, even if this crisis continues to escalate. And I personally promise that the sermons, or what I call messages, the devotions, the prayers, and Bible study topics will continue to be available to everyone. Okay? Not just everyone, but anyone, even if we transition to some sort of online service in the whole or in part. Because God is bigger and God is greater and far more powerful than the virus and especially the fear it's created. And that is God's promise. So I've titled this week's message, Lies Dispelled. And I started working on this before, not really before all this happened, but certainly before a lot of the, you know, started hitting closer to home. But dispelled means to, to make a doubt, a feeling, or a belief disappear, Okay. So this week we're going to talk about some common doubts or beliefs that we may have or, and how God has, has conquered these. And I, I try, try to create a background slide, and I usually do, that kind of captures the, the spirit of the message. And, um, you know, and I wanted to convey the cross overcoming lies. And I realize it may look like the cross is smooshing lies, and that's fine. The truth is God utterly destroys them, okay, when we go to him for the truth. So... When it comes to lies and a negative self-talk, you know, that little voice in your head that, that tells you those things, regardless of whose voice that is you hear, 
the author of these lies is always the same. This week's week scripture, remember, but um, before we hear it again, let, let me paint the picture of that, that scripture. Jesus was at the temple courts teaching God's word, and he had gathered a crowd of listeners. The Bible tells us that teachers of the law and Pharisees were in the crowd, and they began to challenge him. They, they were, often did this. Okay? One of these challenges, you may remember, was the woman accused of adultery. You remember the story of her? And, and when they demanded that, that he judge her and that, and that she be stoned, he spoke these familiar words. He said, let the one without sin throw stone. Okay? That's not the purpose of this message, but this is, I want to paint the picture of this is the environment he's in, and, and they're, they're accusing him and tormenting him to some degree and, and challenging him, the Bible says. So again, as Jesus taught, he was confronted and challenged by the Pharisees again. And this happened a few times, and that brings us to John 8, 42 uh, for through 44, which Sherry read this morning as our scripture member. So Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own because God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And this again paints this picture of our father's in heaven. Jesus is father in heaven. We as his adopted children, our father is in heaven. But if you are contrary to this, God is not your father. And that's by your own choice, okay? Because God has reached out and, and tried to adopt you. And so your father is the, the Satan, the, de the devil, the, the father of lies. And that's the, the picture I'm painting here. When it comes to lies and negative self-talk, again, regardless of whose voices you hear, you might hear your own. You might hear someone you know. Perhaps you think it may be God himself telling you these things because you may hear some scripture being thrown at you that says, ooh, remember God, God uses scripture to encourage, to, to hold you accountable, to convict you of areas that need improvement, not to tell you you're a bad person, right? And we know from scripture that the devil is very, very good at spitting out scripture himself. He does. He would quote, he would quote it to Jesus, he would quote scripture to Jesus and try to knock him off his game. And, and, and Jesus would quote scripture right back. Okay? So let's look at the most common lies that we may mistakenly believe about ourselves and then the truth that dispels them. And maybe some of these are ones you're familiar with. Maybe they're not. I hope they're not. But maybe at some point in your life, you know, and this list was really easy for me to come up with, unfortunately. But so was the list of ways to get ahead of it. How about this? Whatever it is that you're trying to do, you're going to struggle and you're going to fail and you should just give up, right? Whatever it is. Well, Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Let us not lose heart. Don't get discouraged in due time. And this is God's time, not ours, okay? How about this from Revelation? He who has overcome will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. There's challenges. We will have to overcome these things to accomplish whatever it is we're trying to do. How about this one? You ever feel like you're alone in your struggles? Like I'm doing this on my own. No one's supporting me. No one cares. Well, from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and, and we, we quote this one often, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. 
He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He's not saying if. He's saying when. When you're tempted, he will not allow it to be more than you can stand. So that means one thing is you're bigger than that temptation. You're bigger than that struggle. The second thing is he will show you a way out. And sometimes that way out is through. And that's not fun either. But sometimes the best way to get through a struggle is to get through it and say, God, let me learn this lesson quickly so I can get through it faster. <laughs> How about this? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, now that sounds weird. Suffering doesn't mean that you're always in pain. Sometimes it just means you're making a sacrifice. But it says, so if you're suffering, if you're making sacrifice in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. He will never fail you. Isn't it possible that sometimes we suffer or struggle or, or sacrifice because we want to do what's right and our friends or someone else knows, is doing something that we know isn't right? But God says, keep on doing what is right and trust your life to God. He will never fail you. How about this one? It's almost like every man for himself. Take care of yourself first. Everything else will be fine. Just worry about you, right? Selfishness never leads to peace. Not for yourself, not for anybody else. We should take care of ourselves. We should take care of our bodies. We should take care of our souls and our minds and our spiritual well-being. Because the Bible says we are a temple. This, our body is a temple. It is Jesus is in our heart. The Holy Spirit lives in our soul. And, and God should be in our mind and heart at all times. I mean, this is God is working through us. And we need to be responsible and take care of it. Okay? But our body is a temple. It's not a shrine. And our aim is not to satisfy ourselves, but to sanctify ourselves. Scripture tells it this way from Philippians 2. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count himself equality, equally with God, he, but he tempted him, emptied himself by making a taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus knew who he was, but he didn't go around. I mean, he did say, yes, I'm the son of God, and yes, I came to save you, but he didn't say, I am a God, bow down to me, did he? He said, bow down to my father, and let me show you how. From Romans 2.8, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey wrath and righteousness, they will be wrath and fury. Again, no peace putting yourself first. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert on the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? I love this one. Jesus replied, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Again, I want to remind you, God first, others second. Don't forget yourself. You are third. Be in the count. How about this lie? If you work hard enough, you'll get all you ever wanted and needed. Right? If you just work harder. Right? If you just work harder. It's not how it works. We are called to be good citizens, good stewards and diligent towards the things we do and do all things as doing it for the Lord. I mean, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. But that doesn't guarantee you're going to get all you want and all you need. God guarantees you'll get all you need in some of what you want. You'll get all of what he wants for you. 
1 John 2, 15, 17. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of your Father in you. The world offers only a craving for a physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. They are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And those kinds of things that you earn, that you achieve, that are given to you, bestowed on you by God, those are the eternal gifts. You can have nice things for now, and it's not going to fill that God-sized, God-shaped hole in your life. But the stuff that you, when you do things right, that he's got stored up there, that will. And that's going to hang around and do a lot longer than whatever you accomplish here on earth. Proverbs, I, I love Proverbs. They're, they're almost like little fortune cookie verses, you know, the, the one or two sentences that make you kind of go, hmm. It says, death and destruction are never satisfied, neither are human eyes. How much truth is that? There's even a saying that says that, you know, comparison breeds dissatisfaction. You could have the nicest, shiniest thing on the block, but if someone's got something just... A little different, even if it's not even better. You start going, huh, maybe mine's not the shiniest, neatest thing I thought it was, right? God has special gifts, talents, and blessings he made for you, okay? You are exactly how he created you to be. You have all the ability, power, and potential to do all that he wants you to do. It's up to you to make those choices. How about this? This is all there is. What a lie. What a depressing lie. Or you only live once. Yuck. Man, if I'm halfway through all there is, I'm, I want my money back. It's no, no. Jesus said, I have you believed because you have seen me. He said, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. It's because there's so much you don't see. There's so much you don't see. How about this from Philippians? It's not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. It says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So he's saying, I've done a lot. I've done, you know, Phil, um, Paul came from some bad choices in his life. And he went on to accomplish a lot of wonderful things, including many letters that became a part of the Bible that we read. And he says, he, he's talking about this, this advice he's giving. He said, not that I've already obtained it. He said, or that I've arrived at my goal. He said, I press on to take hold of that which Christ took a hold of for me. But then he goes on and says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do. He says, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Okay, that is the goal. That's the race we're running. And it doesn't end at a certain day and point in time. It just goes to the next chapter. Now, in our house, we talk a little about wellness. Sherry talks about the, the physical side, and, and Lord knows I'm a work in progress. I call this my before picture. I've been in before picture mode for quite a while now. Um, and I, there's, a, there's an emotional wellness, right? There's this component in a behavioral health, and, and we need to take care of, of those things and be aware of mental illnesses. But there's a spiritual wellness as well, too. And I think the three of them play together. It's hard to take care of your body if you hate yourself. It's hard to, to love yourself if you don't understand that God loves you. It all works together. And I think these negative self-talks, you know, maybe I've mentioned one that you've heard before, but, but there are some other lies that are very specific to us that can really beat us down. In fact, if we believe them, there's devastating effects. Lies can bring us down and cause us to doubt even the goodness of God. And if you believed in one of these lies, you're not alone, okay? 
But let's get to the truth. Truth is, lie number one, I'm not worthy of love. Even if someone tells you that, even if you hear your own voice say that, absolutely not true. We so often base ourselves on how others see us or worse, how we think others see us. But we need to recognize how God sees us. Once we recognize that our worth comes from God's love for you, and we're rooted in this truth, the lie's gone. It's gone. He's, he's dispelled it. He's crushed it. This lie that says, you're not worthy of love. He says, you're so worthy of love. I love you. And, and, and what the song we just sang, you know, it says, it's enough that Christ Jesus died and that's good enough. I mean, that's period. That's how much I love you. And, and you weren't done sinning yet. In fact, you weren't even born when all this happened. But I know what you, you're going to do. I know what you're going to do even after you say you're not going to do it again. And he goes, I love you. That's how worthy of love you are. How about this one? And this one, this will trip us up, especially if we're starting to do well. My past decides my future. Our future is affected by our past, certainly. And then our mistakes and our failures. I and mean, we can put ourselves on a path and have to work really hard to get back off that. But it doesn't dictate our future. It isn't. We do. With God's help, we pick the path. And God has a, a, a path picked out for us. But we've got this silly thing called freedom of will and all this wonderful stuff that is really a double-edged sword that says, I, I have the right and the freedom to choose God, but I also have the, the ability to mistakenly choose something else, even if it's a mistake. You know, nothing can be further from the truth other than, you know, I'm not worthy of love, than to think that, Whatever you've gone through in the past means that's what is going to happen in the future. Are people capable of change? Absolutely. Are people capable of changing on their own? Maybe not. We pray that it doesn't take something devastating to shake them up to get them on the right path. But God can come in and devastate your life pretty quickly in good and bad ways and get you on that path too. Right? Our future is in God's hands. So we can boldly believe each day can be better than the last. You can go into tomorrow saying, this day's going to be better than that one. Now, it may or may not be, but you can start with that promise every single day. And if you do like last week when we talked about where you take up your cross daily with what faith and hope and love, that just bolsters that promise, right? Because now you have faith and you have hope and love. And when you mess up, because we will, what does it say to do? Pick up that cross again daily. Proceed with faith, hope, and love again. Or as I said last week, faith, hope, love, repeat. Faith, hope, love, repeat. And you may have to do that multiple times a day. How about this? If people really knew me, like knew the real me, they would like me very much. Does anybody act differently in some places than others? Do you talk to your mother the way you talk to your friends? <laughs> Not looking at anybody. Um, you know, do you... Do you are, are you a little bit... Don't look at me. Um, you, I love my mother. I love my mother. Um, but, you know, it, it, if people really knew you, they wouldn't love you. Number one, it only matters what God knows and God loves. And guess what? There's no tricking God. God knows the real you. He created the real you. Guess what? There's no shadowy spot of your life or heart or what you see or think or do that is out of his reach or knowledge, okay? 
He already knew. And what did he do in response to that? He sent a son. I got that. I know what you're going to do in 2021. I got that. Wish you wouldn't do it. Hope you don't. But I got it. Okay? And it's not just if people knew me, the real me, they wouldn't like me. Are you the kind of person looking at someone else and saying, I know the real them and so I don't like them? God says you love everybody, period, just like he did. One last one here. I can manage on my own. I've got this. Good, you may. But remember, and this goes back to that, that series on faith we talked about. This is when, when the analogy was teaching a child to walk. And when we teach our child to walk, the whole goal is to get them at some point to walk on their own. With God, it's backwards. It's different and it's better. He says, I want you to walk and I want you to walk hand in hand with me. I want you to rely on me your whole life, okay? So you never have to walk on your own. It's completely different than what you would think. God's not saying I'm raising you to be on your own. He goes, I'm raising you to be on my own. God wants us to lean on him and to rely on him. So the lie is I can manage on my own. The good news is you shouldn't. Not a single thing. Not a single thing on this prayer list where we intended to do on our own, good or bad. Okay. Let me give you some other good news. Satan will not win. In fact, he's already lost. He's already lost. But he is a sore loser, and he battles still this day with the only weapons he has, and they are fear and discouragement and lies and deception. And some of those, I can handle that. You know, I can see through the lies. But discouragement, fear, I mean, those are real. Those are real. Mark 3.27 says, No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. The only way that Satan can get a foothold anywhere in your life is if he binds you somehow with things like fear and lies and deception. Things like you're not good enough. You're not worthy of love. You've made this mistake and you'll never change around. You're going to do this on your own and you're going to struggle, so why not give up? He binds us. We bind ourselves really is what happens. And those are just some of Satan's Satan's strategies. But the path to victory in this spiritual war is to hold on to Christ who has already dealt the decisive blow that happened on the cross. You know, again, that song, it's good enough. Christ died for me, period. End of story. But if you need to hear some of the story, it's in the Bible. 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. It's exactly what he did. Hebrews 2.14, Christ took on human nature that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death. Again, it is, that's the reason we have the, this eternal life. These blessings stored for us in heaven is because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. How about Colossians 2.15? God disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. In other words, the decisive blow was struck at Calvary, and we're getting ready to acknowledge that here at Easter. And I'll wrap this up pretty quickly. How do we fight? First of all, we invoke our champion, Jesus Christ. You can pray in his name. The Bible says pray in his name, and, and we resist the devil. James says resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He is. You think you're afraid of stuff? He's afraid of God and Jesus and what you can do in his name. Okay? It's okay to call in the big guns. It's okay to call in the big guns. 
Jesus says, I've got this. Why are you trying to fight the devil on your own? He's crafty. He's smart. He knows my words probably better than you do. Don't be deceived. Let me handle this. The other thing is, take your thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we're taking every thought captive according to the obedience of Christ. Those things that pop into your head. Can't control our first thoughts, right? But we can certainly capture our second thought. Okay, I thought this, I get angry at that person. What am I going to do about that? I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm going to offer forgiveness. Or I'm going to rely on God. And when we actively take up our shield of faith in God's word, we stand victorious in Christ. So again, how do we fight? We use the weapons that God designed us with. And I'll just go quickly through the, the armor of God, which is in Ephesians 6. Just put on the full armor of God. Listen to some of these tools we have. Because the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers and darkness of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's a big battle. It says, so put on the full armor so that when evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. He says, stand firm. The belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth, right? Dispel the lies. The breastplate of righteousness. Protect your heart. With the feet fitted, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Stand your ground in the word. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Right? We talked about faith last week, which can, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And at last, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you have, hear how many references to armor come from this book? Right? Righteousness, truth. The shield, salvation, the sword. And there's no neutral zone in this. There won't be a moment where you're not being attacked or thinking negative thoughts or lies in your life. Okay? And the war is already won, and but we're already in it. So you either reach time by the blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ, or you're enslaved by Satan who has tricked you. Now there's a song and I'm going to I'm going to not play it this morning in the interest of time, but it's called The Voice of Truth by Casting Crowns. Fantastic song, and it's about, it's about listening to the truth and, and just some of the lyrics. He just says, what would I, I, oh, what I would do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat. Remember the story of, of the men climbing out of the boat and walking Jesus? What, what I would do to have that kind of faith, to step out of my comfort zone in the realm of unknown where Jesus is, and he's holding out his hands. And then he hears that voice. He says, but the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me, reminding me all the times I've tried to be forth and failed. The waves that keep on telling me time and time again, boy, you'll never win, you'll never win. And the chorus is this. It says, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Another verse talks about the strength to stand before a giant with a sling and a stone. You know, and he says, surrounded by thousands of, of warriors shaking in their armor, wishing they had, had the strength to stand. And then what does he hear? He says, but the giant's calling out my name and he laughs at me, reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed. The giant keeps on telling me, boy, you'll never win, you'll never win. And the, the chorus is the same. It says, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. 
The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, there's a bond. She says, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. So now what? What do we do? God's word is clear. Christians have no reason to fear the evil of this fallen world. None whatsoever. You just need to choose to listen to the voice of truth. Okay, let's pray. Father God, in a a message where we're just trying to figure out what's the truth and what are lies, Lord, reveal your truth to us. Help us to understand the things that, that condemn us, the things that hold us back, that keep us from doing what is right, from pursuing you, even if they sound like your voice, even if they sound like something you would say, heck, even if it's something you actually have said, if it is not in line with the God that we know, then we need to ignore it. We need to dispel those lies and seek out the voice of truth that says, I am loved. I am worthy. I am forgiven. I have a bright future on this world, and I have even brighter future and hope in what comes next. And Lord, as we face the giants in our lives, where it may be a health concern, or this pandemic, or a job concern, or a financial concern, or a relationship concern, help us to stand up, and through all the voices commanding us, let us listen to the voice of truth that says, you've got this. This is for your glory. And out of all the voices that we hear, let us listen to that one voice of truth. God, as always, I want to pray for all those here, those listening online, those who couldn't make it today, those who are ill or traveling. Lord, keep us all in your protection. Lord, especially as we we battle with not only a virus, but a fear of a virus and all that goes with that. Protect us from that. Let it hold us back from the things that we shouldn't be doing, but let's not hold us back from the things that we should be doing. Lord, I thank you for your empty places in the pews, for the represent, for what they represent, and, and an open invitation and room for relationship with you. And God, as we go forward from this place, may we be changed from what we've heard this morning. May you be pleased with the words, the, the sacrifice, the giving, all that we've done this morning, hopefully to your glory. In your name I pray, amen.